<laughs> Hello again. This is USH Med Student. Welcome. The goal of the podcast series that we're going to create over time is to help students who are in their third year clerk clerkship to be able to pass their exam more effectively and perhaps even do a little bit better on their rotation. Uh, today's topic is mental status examinations and I've got three students here with me. Um, would you three introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Haley Shumway. I'm a third year medical student. Haley's going into surgery, right? Most Hopefully. likely. Yeah, great. And I'm Cody Patterson. I'm also a third year medical student. And you're going into proctology? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. Family practice. <laughs> All right. And, uh, sorry, it seems like I may have missed that. <laughs> Phil? It uh, sounds the same. Uh, I'm Phil Bennett. I'm a fourth year medical student. I've, I've already uh, been interviewing for pathology. Guys, thanks for joining me today. So. Um, in preparation for this, I asked you guys to go learn as much as you could about the mental status exam. I'm curious what you guys found. So one interesting point that we kind of brought up was that the mental state exam is considered the physical exam for a psychiatrist. Um, so, so it's very broad what you can do with a mental status exam. There's a lot of areas of the brain and brain, I guess, mental function that you can uh, measure. But uh, yeah, so it's just a, I thought that was pretty cool. It's just the term of, it's, it's your physical exam as a physician, that's what you do. It is our physical exam, I, I, I like that. I'm curious what else you guys ran into or what else you found. So we did kind of bring up the question on some of the points in the mental status exam. There are quite a few questions that we ask and we wondered if there was any um, peer-reviewed evidence for using any of these particular questions and we really didn't find any any evidence that that particular questions were were more effective or more telling than than others there might be more pitfalls to the mini mental status exam than we than we thought before going into this I, I was really surprised um, we spent some time looking at this together before we got on the mic right and one of the things that I think was most surprising was, uh, for example, every week in our clinicals, I ask a proverb, right? I try to have a new proverb every time. I think, uh, what was it last week? Um, cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag, right? And um, we looked up the evidence to support the use of a proverb, right? And the evidence was? Not there. Just not there, right? Nope. Looks like proverbs have uh, the ability to answer a proverb looks like it has a lot more to do with um, somebody's experience or exposure to the proverb rather than educational status, illness, uh, or so, so forth, right? I'm curious what else you guys came up with. If I may, just kind of going off of your point there, Cody, I, I thought that it's really interesting that, hey. Hey, come on in. Yeah. You're fine. Say hello to. Say hello. We've got a new. We've got a new addition to the podcast potentially. Carly, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Carly. I'm a social work intern here. So we're just uh, talking about mental status examination. You're welcome to join us if you'd like. Um, so we're just kind of having fun with this. Uh, we were just talking about how we were preparing to have a discussion about this, and what we found is that there's not a lot of evidence to support the specific parts of the mental status examination to predict things. Um, and, and I was going to say, the more that we looked at it, the more ways, you know, for example, you're, you're testing for, you know, executive function. 
there are so many different tests and ways to uh, measure or, or kind of give you a feel of how well they're doing executive functional wise that there's no standard there's no like gold standard to test for executive function it's like some people some physicians will do it one way some will do it another some people will do the proverb uh, to assess you know abstract thinking versus uh, word pairing or something like that and so it's that's what, kind of what I got from it I think that's accurate and I, I want to back up a little bit I made the statement that there's not a lot of evidence for specific parts of the mental status examination to predict any one thing. With the exception of, um, there are a couple of tools now that have been built to help predict or assess for cognitive decline. Um, In particular, I think we found that the MOCA, the Montreal uh, Cognitive Assessment, is one of the tools that has a very good ability, um, very high sensitivity, and quite high specificity to be able to identify mild cognitive impairment and even dementia. And it also broke down some of those cognitive domains. So when we talk about the mental status exam, there are parts of it that are helpful in understanding cognition, and then there are parts that seem to be um, maybe helpful in other areas. So when we think about the speech patterns that somebody has, the cognitive exam on that speech pattern would potentially be repeat after me and then give a task for repetition, or it might be to identify um, some object. Whereas the, the qualitative nature of the speech, whether it's rapid, whether it's slow, um, whether there are misuses of words, close approximations, and so forth, that, that might help us more to uh, lean towards a diagnosis, but none of those things would be diagnostic in themselves. Really, the, it, it looks like the mental status exam, when done as a MOCA specifically, has the ability to help guide us towards further workup for mild cognitive um, impairment or for, um, for even dementia. Maybe some symptoms that show up in depression, at least on the MOCA. Um, I wonder if you guys had any other things that kind of stood out to you as, as you started reading through and, and learning about mental status examinations. Um, I thought it was interesting when we were looking at MOCA, it had some practice patient scenarios at the end, and it was comparing the MMSE score versus the MOCA score, and it varied very drastically. They could have had a normal um, mental status exam, whereas the MOCA was showing a deficit. So it just, to me, shows kind of what tests you're using could be very important. Yeah, I think one of the things that... um is important is to recognize that it looks like the MOCA is a better examination for cognitive function than the Fulstein mini mental status examination, which is an older tool. Um, I I actually trained using portions of the MMSE, so the mini mental status examination, rather than our physical exam, which is the mental status examination. I used to have a tough time differentiating between the two of those. Um, Sometimes I'm not attentive enough to the nuances of language, so um, for anybody that's wondering about that, the mental status examination could be much broader. The mini mental status examination is a specific type of uh, mental status examination developed by uh, at least one author named Fulstein, and you can Google that and find that or or go onto PubMed and find that original article. Um, Anything else that stood out to you guys? I, I liked um, looking at the longitudinal assessment of patients with either the MOCA or the mini mental status exam as a way of seeing if they're 
improving or declining or if they're staying the same as far as their cognition levels. I feel like for a place like here, the state hospital, where you have patients for a long period of time, it's, it's good even if the test you're using has pitfalls, if you're using that same test over the course of that patient's stay, you get a pretty pretty good idea of how they're doing. I, I thought that was a good aspect of of either the MOCA or the mini mental status. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit surprised on the test retest kinds of things. So so we went through the training together. We I signed up. I did the training today to become a certified. Was that the language a certified uh, like it, yeah. MOCA administrator and evaluator? <laughs> I, I'll have to double check the language on that. Um, and you guys watched the videos while we watched them, or while I watched them, and there was some information about how there is retest kinds of problems that people can learn um, the test and maybe change their score, and that there apparently are some modified versions of the test that you can give to try and reduce that uh, retest kind of error. I was, I was also intrigued as we um, went through the MOCA as we both read about it with the handout that you can read, and then as we watched the video together, um, I was I was impressed how the different tasks seem to have very specific areas where they might show cognitive dysfunction. For example, some areas of the MOCA would be able to help point um, point somebody towards uh, a diffuse Lewy body dementia or. Uh, frontotemporal dementia or an Alzheimer's dementia, and that other areas of the of the MOCA would point people towards perhaps depression or dementia. And I was intrigued that um, that the mental status examination could be affected by by depression, right? That that maybe the the attention part of of depression, which reminds me spontaneous question, uh, one of the mnemonics for depression. Siggy caps. Siggy caps. And what does Siggy cap stand? What, what do those letters stand for? Who's got this one? Cody? <laughs> Oof. That's a tough one. On the, in the spur of the moment, um, we talked about somnolence was S. Uh-huh. Um, I, is that insomnia? Or did we talk about Interests. Interests. Interest. So anhedonia. anhedonia. That's another way of saying anhedonia. Mm-hmm. G? Gain of weight. Guilt. Oh, guilt. And, and that comes with some indecision. So sleep changes. Uh, uh, now I'm laughing so hard I can't even, <laughs> I can't even do the mnemonic. <laughs> sleep changes, anhedonia, or loss of interest in activities. Uh, guilt, uh, low energy, usually low energy. Sleep can be both directions, but energy tends to go down, right? Concentration. Uh, concentration, that's the big one. So it makes sense that there are some very specific domains on the MOCA that would show up with impaired concentration. Appetite. What does the P stand for? Psychomotor function. Psychomotor slowing. And then and suicide. suicide. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, most students that I've worked with don't know why the mnemonic SIG E caps came about. Um, Anybody know that? I'll try to redeem myself here <laughs> a little bit. Um, so you're you're telling us earlier about the treatment of depression uh, when a physician back in the day would bring out their pad, uh, they would sign it, uh, and as their signature, they would put in SIG for short, and then colon, and then they would prescribe energy capsules basically to help people with depression and lower energy levels, 
get that energy function back to normal. And so to shorten that, they would call those ECAPs, basically. And so on the pad, you'd have SIG ECAPs. All right, so that's a much better story than I thought I told. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think SIG is actually Latin. Oh. So SIG is the, the name of the prescription. So SIG, the, the physicians would write SIG. Oh. And then they would write any prescription. Okay. And so um, what do we need for depression? Well, energy capsules. So now the prescription for depression is energy capsules. So SIG, E-caps. Um, yeah. But but that's a better story, I think, than uh, how I uh, envisioned that the mnemonic evolved. Uh, back to the mental status examination. Um, I think it's probably the take-home point here is this. You will see a number of mental status examination versions done by different people. You might also do very specific mental status examinations that are validated um, to have some predictive validity or at least some ability to uh, identify a dementia. Um, most importantly, it looks like the MOCA more than the MMSC. And then beyond that, you can also talk about specific tools within a mental status examination. So things like uh, what you might find on the MOCA, um, like the draw a clock, identifying the animals. What else is on there? Do you guys remember? The visual constructual construction where they had to draw a box. Mm -hmm. um, There's the recall, of course. Um, you would give them five words in five seconds, basically, ask them to repeat that back to you. You repeat it again, and then they have to recall that at the end of the test. So mm -hmm. more of that, I guess, really short-term memory uh, retention uh, examination as well as a little bit longer, longer short-term mm -hmm. <laughs> retention. Yeah, I think... Um, one of the things that really surprised me when I started reading more about the mental status examination, not the first time, but more in depth um, in my training, was how many different tests there were that can be used on some level to test different aspects of memory. I think in one of the future podcasts, what we'll do is we'll talk about the matrix proposal. Um, in schizophrenia, we're aware that there are cognitive changes in our patients. and Generally speaking, the cognitive changes in schizophrenia may be just as important or more important than the changes that are associated with hearing voices uh, and other positive symptoms like delusions or with the negative symptoms, the loss of friendships, anhedonia, um, the, the changes in self-care. And that perhaps medications that address uh, the cognitive symptoms, those medications, if we can find tests to see if something actually changes those, those cognitive symptoms, um, then we might be able to have medications that expand how we, how we treat schizophrenia. In other words, they came up with a series of tests that might be useful in development of medications that help us treat additional domains of impairment in schizophrenia. And so the matrix uh, proposal is something we'll probably talk about at some point. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the matrix proposal will show up on any shelf exam at this point, so it's probably a little farther off. Does that have anything to do with like blue pills, red pills? No, Neo? no, nothing to do with Neo, nothing okay. to do with uh, the Matrix Trilogy. Okay. It's in, even spelled differently. I think Matrix Trilogy is M-A-T-R-I-X. Yes. And the Matrix um, Initiative, if it's initiative, is M-A-T-R-I-C-S, and it's all capitalized because those letters each stand for something. And it looks at seven different cognitive um, domains in schizophrenia and how, how we might assess 
how those are uh, affected in our patients. On that note, um, again, uh, how about if you each uh, give us one take home that you've learned about mental status examinations and something that might be meaningful that you've seen on your shelf exams that you needed to know or didn't know. So yeah, since I have taken the shelf exam, albeit a year and a half ago, uh, with the, I, I guess the, 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 you know, the technicalities of the mental state exam aren't necessarily heavily taught on the shelf exam. It's more of what is the result of that exam telling you about diagnosis or further treatment is what is high yield for, for us right now. Uh, for the shelf exam and perhaps for step and, and complex as well but going through I, I feel like this was a very practical exercise that we used and I guess me being you know a lot closer to actual practice these lessons are a little bit more important and, and more relatable now I felt like as we were talking about the mental state exam it's definitely not the exam and result findings that we're used to. For example, you get an H and H, you know, hemoglobin, hematocrit, hematocrit. You got certain numbers that you're looking at that'll tell yes or no, is there anemia here? Uh, versus the mental state exam, there are so many different ways to approach it, so many different ways a patient can present different uh, answers to questions that you may ask that it's almost like with psychiatry itself how I feel like you deal with a lot of open-ended questions and and you're you're really it's it's a lot it's a lot more open than it is a closed ended conversation with the patient. I feel the same way about the the MSC. I feel like it's a very open ended and fluid uh, way to gather information to help you with your diagnosis. If, if that makes any sense. It does. And and again, shelf exam you've taken it, but you are also diving into shelf exam prep books, right? So yes. and you, uh, U World and uh, what's the other one? First aid. First aid and so forth. So online med. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so what kinds of things are you guys seeing pop up about the mental status examination? Mm. I'm not sure that you're seeing a lot about what we talked about today, other than maybe the diagnosis of dementia with the MOCA or the MMSE. Yeah, I feel like. We have these tools that we use, the, the MMSE, the MOCA. Um, when I first got on this rotation, I felt like my focus was learning the tool, whereas now that we're a few weeks into it, it's more seeing what the tool shows me from the patient. And that's where, that's where the knowledge comes in handy for the shelf exams and in practice, you can see the, the clinical presentation of of the certain illness that they may have and I think that is is the utility of learning these tools is is learning what you can get from them as you use them with your patients and what you can what you can learn for your examinations as well Haley you got anything to add to that yeah I think that looking at several aspects of the MSE the MMSE the MOCA um, it just goes to show the complexity that mental health is um, it's a lot deeper than you than I was expecting at least um, and then I appreciated looking at research articles and more science-based evidence for reasons behind why we do those tests and if they are effective or not um, and I think that's applicable to any field of medicine you need to be able to look at the data and 
decide whether you're going to be to continue using that because we had discussions today on well maybe that's not the best tool maybe I should use a different um, screening for proverbs for example we had chatted about um, so and then also skate siggy caps it's definitely going to come up so <laughs> depression and it, 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 oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, if I may, I was just thinking about a conversation that we had earlier about the actual shelf exam, and as far as mental state, uh, is I felt like on this psychiatry shelf exam, it was really important to know about uh, different neurological uh, conditions such as you know post-stroke, post uh, you know concussion as well as a big topic, seizures. And as uh, in the question stem, you might get some MSE findings, you know, not, not oriented to person or place or something like that. Uh, or they might have, you know, show, of course, different neurological deficits as well based on the location of the stroke. But I want to say that, like, the Glasgow Coma Scale might come up and they, I, they, I wouldn't put it past them, but they might test you on the actual numbers of that, I'd say it's pretty low yield, but you might get tested on on that, which is, I guess, a somewhat of a form of mental state exam as well. Uh, so just just some two cents on what I thought I remember seeing on the shelf. Yeah. You're not going to get in trouble for talking about it that generally, right? I hope not. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> so it, it, it dawns on me as we're doing this that probably um, if we have a chance by Friday, what I would like to do is have part two to the mental status examination where we talk about buzzwords in the, in the mental status exam. So, Phil, I think there's nothing more pathognomonic as a field than pathology, right? Mm -hmm. Where one finding is pathognomonic. I'm using air quotes here if you can't see those, right? Um, where one finding is pathognomonic for an illness. Read Sternberg cells. Hodgkin lymphoma. Hodgkin lymphoma. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's if I remember that vaguely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those, right? Yeah. So I, th I believe that in the mental status examination, some of the words that we use to describe a person is a code way of saying this illness is present, right? So if we um, pick this conversation up uh, maybe on Friday, what we can do is talk about the words that are used in the different aspects of the mental status examination that start to step away from the cognitive portion, right? I think we're sold on the idea that the MOCA is something worth reading about and learning about and easy to do. You can go online and, and I think you can freely download at least the information to learn about it. It costs about $125 to certify, but learning about it is easy, right? Um, so anybody can, can sit down and read about it and see the domains that are tested and look at the cognitive portions of this and then Part two, we'll go ahead and look at the portions that are not so cognitive, but seem to be descriptive, and that might help us point towards a diagnosis more like you're talking about. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Sounds great. All right, guys, thanks for uh, joining in today, and, and perhaps with luck, one more with you guys before we're all done. All right? Okay. Thanks. Right, awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep.